Welcome, my friend. You are exactly where you need to be right now. It is not an accident that our paths have crossed. I'm confident that you're here because you are wanting more out of life. Are you ready to live your life with purpose and intention? Are you wondering how on earth to pull it all together? How exactly do you turn your ordinary days into extraordinary days? Girl, let me show you how to stop facing the day ahead and start faithing it. Join me, Sarah Elizabeth, each episode as I encourage and motivate you to place unwavering faith in the direction Christ will lead you and surrender yourself to His vision for your life. He's custom designed a life for you beyond your wildest dreams, and I want to help you discover all that He has planned for you to experience. Together, let's put God into the driver's seat of your life. Let's go. It's time to faith your day. Hello and welcome in, my beautiful friends. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to come hang out here with me. I love that you have decided to faith your day today. We are kicking it old school and heading back, way back into the book of Genesis to spend some time looking at the life of Joseph and how the troubles that he faced can become a beautiful inspiration for us as we go through challenging times today. The title that I've given this week's episode of the Faith Your Day devotional podcast is Your Tests Become Your Testimony. Here we are now, having rolled into March of this year, and I'm willing to bet that it hasn't been all smooth sailing. In fact, if we were to look back in our rearview mirror into 2022 and 2021 and 2020 and beyond, I would assume there have been some pretty big bumps on your road. Each one of us deals with hardship, heartache, hesitation, and headaches that can make seasons of our life feel sort of unbearable. We know that we have mountaintop moments from time to time, right? But doesn't it often feel that we are wandering in the valley more often than we would like? It's hard to see a way out when you are in the midst of a mess, but I'm so grateful that we have some amazing examples of people in scripture who went through struggle and unrest as well, as we can use their experiences as a learning tool for us on this day. Even though they are all long gone, they are vital and essential for us when we decide to faith this day of life rather than begrudgingly facing whatever comes our way. It's not if hardship will come, it's when, and it's how we decide to go through it that makes all the difference. So let's take a look at the life of Joseph and we can see what we can learn about the testing that he endured. Now, first to clarify, this is Old Testament Joseph, not the same Joseph that lovingly led Mother Mary to the stable in Bethlehem the night that Jesus was born. Old Testament Joseph was one of 12 sons born to Jacob. Jacob's mother was Rachel, although many of those 12 sons were born to Jacob's other wife, Leah, who was the sister of Rachel. My dear, if you haven't read the Old Testament before, get ready for some truly messed up situations. Some of it could definitely have influenced some Jerry Springer episodes. 
Anyways, Rachel not only was the mother of Joseph, but she was Jacob's favorite wife. She was beautiful and highly loved by him, but she had great difficulty conceiving. So naturally, when little Joseph finally was born, after years of barrenness, Jacob was elated, and little Joseph quickly rose to favorite child status. Joseph was favored by his father, and when he was young, he was given a beautiful, specially crafted coat. Are visions of a Technicolor dream coat coming to mind, my friend? Okay, so you have the picture. He's what we would now call the golden child. And when you have a small army of older brothers that aren't given the same gifts and attention as you are from your dad, well, let's just say some jealousy was brewing. To make matters worse, Joseph shared with his brothers a dream he had had where they were bowing down to him. And well, that just didn't make his older brothers love him anymore. In fact, at one point, Joseph was sent by his father to visit with his brothers who were shepherds and who were tending their sheep in Shechem. And his brothers used this as an opportunity to plot a deceptive scheme against Joseph. They threw him unsuspecting into a pit. The original plan was to leave him there to die and make up a story to cover their butts that they could feed to their father. But thankfully, Reuben, being one of the softer-hearted brothers, he didn't really think this was right to do. But Judah, who was another of the brothers, saw a group of Midianite merchants coming by, and he decided that instead of them putting him in the pit and leaving him to die, they could sell him and make some money. They were going to sell him as a slave. So they did that. They sold him for 20 shekels of silver, and the merchants ended up taking Joseph to Egypt. Before they sold him, though, they had stripped him of his robe And they decided to bloody it up with goat blood and feed their dad a story that Joseph had been attacked by an animal and his body was nowhere to be found. Who needs enemies when you have siblings like that, right? I told you the Old Testament has some messed up stories. So once in Egypt, things start to look up a little bit. Joseph ended up working for an influential master named Potiphar. And he was even appointed head of Potiphar's estate. However, Joseph was a handsome guy, and he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife, who wanted to be friends with benefits, if you know what I mean. Joseph was a righteous young man, though, and he wasn't down for Potiphar's wife's offer. And well, she felt bitter and angry that he wasn't attracted to her in the same way, So she goes and does something awful. She falsely accuses Joseph to her husband of taking advantage of her. And naturally, Potiphar believes his wife and becomes furious with Joseph, who all along was just trying to do the right thing and was being completely innocent. Well, this honesty ends up leading him to be thrown into jail and into slavery, However, in jail, he managed to interpret some dreams for a couple of fellow prisoners. And lo and behold, over time, it caught the attention of Pharaoh because it would seem that Joseph had this God-given gift for interpreting dreams. And like I said, it drew in the attention of Pharaoh. And at one point, 
Joseph was brought from the prison to interpret one of Pharaoh's own dreams. And it would appear that Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dream brought confidence to Pharaoh, and he ended up seeing how God worked through Joseph in order that Joseph could have this unique gift. So when Pharaoh needed help with the nation, he put none other than Joseph, a foreigner in charge of the whole country, as Pharaoh was confident that Joseph had the favor of God upon his life and that that favor could come in handy for Pharaoh. In one of Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph had predicted the great blessing of crops that would come upon Egypt for a number of years. But he also predicted that following those years of abundance, poor crops would lead to years and years of famine. And Joseph proactively had the people of Egypt stash away grain in preparation for the upcoming hard years. He knew that in order for them to survive years of famine, they were going to have to stockpile tons and tons of grain, which is exactly what happened. God had led Joseph well in this decision. And when the famine hit, Egypt was not only properly prepared for it, but they had saved up an abundance that could be sold to outsiders who were also suffering in this time of lack. Fast forward to the highlight of this story where Joseph's father, Jacob, who has no clue at this time that Joseph is even still alive, right? His brothers returned from that shepherding trip that day to tell the dad that Joseph had been attacked by an animal and they couldn't find his body. So by this point, Joseph is about 37 years old and in charge of the whole nation of Egypt. And his dad thinks he's been dead for years. So Jacob, Joseph's father, sends the crew of brothers to Egypt in hopes that they can buy some grain because they are being affected by the famine. So let's read from Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 to 9. Joseph, as governor of the land of Egypt, was selling corn to people from all over the world. So Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he acted as if he did not know them. He asked them harshly, Where do you come from? We have come from Canaan to buy food, they answered. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Remember that dream that Joseph had revealed to his brothers over 20 years earlier about them bowing down to him? The one that incited their anger, their jealousy, to the point that they were willing to leave him for dead? Well, here it is coming to fruition. This time around, the brothers are at the mercy of Joseph. They don't know it's their brother yet. And although Joseph toys with them for a while and doesn't reveal his identity till a couple of chapters later, we see how the tables have turned. In the end, Joseph ends up meeting his baby brother, Benjamin, who is the youngest of all of Jacob's children and a sibling that wasn't born yet when Joseph was sold as a slave. He instantly adores Benjamin and blesses him greatly because he could, right? He was running Egypt on behalf of Pharaoh. The book of Genesis ends with Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. 
He ends up forgiving his brothers. He ends up blessing his brothers. And he ends up sending for his father to be brought to Egypt so they can be reunited after all these years. And as you can imagine, Jacob is overjoyed to find out his son is still alive and not just still alive, he is thriving. And they finally meet once again. For Jacob, he feels that his life is complete now, that he knows his favorite son is okay, and he dies shortly afterwards in Egypt. Once Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers begin to get a little nervous and become fearful because they wonder if maybe Joseph is going to go back on the forgiveness that he offered them and use his power and influence to seek revenge on them. In response, Joseph replies with one of my very favorite verses in scripture. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 50 verses 18 to 21. Then his brothers themselves came and bowed down before him. Here we are before you as your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I can't put myself in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You have nothing to fear. I will take care of you and your children. So he reassured them with kind words that touched their hearts. What a story. What a message. What a mindset. My sister, those words, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Let those words fill you with peace right now. Let those words just change up your mindset right now. My friend, you might be seeing glimmers of your story in Joseph's story. You might be seeing reflections of your struggles in his struggles and reminders of your battles in his battles. Maybe you've been mistreated and falsely accused, belittled, disrespected, shunned, abandoned, or deceived. Like Joseph, you might have had or currently are having some pretty awful and unfair things happen to you. The things might seem out of control in your life and you might feel at the mercy of chaos and confusion. None of this makes sense right now. How can this be what God has planned for your life? Grace, my dear, the truth alone that God loves you as much as he does means that he is going to take what someone intends for harm and use it for good. The fact that it's not good yet means that he's not done yet. The reality that you are still facing testing Trials and tribulations means that your testimony is still receiving its finishing touches. Joseph had years and years of testing and hardship before he ever saw how God had already intended to use all of that hardship for good. Joseph had decades pass by before he felt the loving embrace of his father's arms once again. So could it be that you are still in a time of testing? Could it be that God is simply asking you to remain in faith and take the right next step in obedience towards him? Could it be that he has blessings and restoration and redemption on the horizon, but that he's still adding what will become exciting details to your powerful testimony? Powerful testimonies 
come from powerful trials, testing that was almost beyond what you could endure, almost but not quite, because you are still here, still moving forward, still standing, broken down, bruised up, but not defeated. There will come a day when you will see how all of this can be used for good. You will one day be the girl who inspires someone else to keep pushing ahead because you made it through. You will get to share with others the power of God's love by telling your story and how he was able to take what looked too far gone and use it for his glory. The enemy is going to try to remind you today that this test is beyond what you can endure, that this trial is too much for you to handle, that this time it isn't going to work. Remind him today that Almighty God is still working on your testimony. Remind him that this isn't going to render you hopeless and remind him that you have countless obstacles that you've already overcome and that this too will be something you will come out of. And when you do come through this, you're going to emerge stronger, more faithful, and have more conviction about what Christ can do in your life. It's then that you will have the ability to share with others what God has done in your life. And if he can do it for Joseph and do it for someone else, then he can and will do it for you as well. Don't give up in the test. Keep stepping forward in faith and allow that test to become your testimony. Let's pray together today. I would love to do that with you right now. Good morning, Jesus. Thank you so much for bringing us together to look back in your word and to see examples of people who have gone through struggles and trials and tribulations and who have in the end been redeemed and restored by you, Lord. We see that whatever hardships they had, your blessings far outweigh all of the hardness in the end. And Lord, today we are coming to you with all different struggles and all different challenges that we are facing. And please remind us that right now we are in the testing and that this too is something that you will walk through with us and that we will come out of stronger and more faithful and more knowledgeable about how you lead your girls through hardship. And Lord, just help us to continue to be faithful, to trust that this is a season that we can make it through and that we can come through. And we know, Lord, that Joseph's story can teach us a lot about how to handle the tough times in our life too, and that we will have a powerful testimony on the other side of this. Lord, we ask for your blessing and protection over everybody listening like I said, everybody's got their own challenges and situations happening. We ask for your hope and love and peace and joy in all of our hearts today. God, we're just so grateful for this time together to talk about you, to get to know you better, and to see the goodness that you do have planned for our lives. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, my beautiful friend, I hope that you have the most amazing week going forward. If you haven't already, there is a way to follow this program on whatever app you're listening to. You can subscribe to it or click, there's like an option for a notification. So if you're somebody who maybe Tuesdays come and go and you've forgotten to listen in, click that. It'll remind you when a new episode pops up because I can't wait to see what God brings for us next week and what we have to talk about then. I hope you'll be here for it. I wish you all of God's blessings from my heart to yours. Bye for now. 